We are currently in a message series in the Gospel of Luke, which I've called Doing What Jesus Did. And to be a follower of Jesus, what that means is that we need to say the things that Jesus said. We need to do the things that Jesus did. It means that we are to follow him. And in the Gospel of Luke, we learn that Jesus did three main things whenever his ministry was being summarized. First of all, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He told other people about God's ways. Second, he healed the sick. And third, he cast demons out of people. And not only did Jesus do these three things, we see that he taught his disciples. First, the 12 to do the same three things. Then the 72 to do the same three things. And he continued on, well, in the book of Acts, which is another book written by Luke, we see the disciples there continuing to do these three things as well. And so in Jesus' ministry, vast crowds came to listen to him. They came to listen to him teach. And of course, they came to see him do miracles. They came to see him heal the sick. If they were sick, they came. If they were afflicted with things, they came to be delivered and set free. And yet everyone, amazingly, did not follow Jesus. Everyone did not believe in him. In fact, many became opposed to Jesus. And as Jesus' ministry continued to grow and more and more people were flocking to hear him, the opposition against him increased as well. And today we're going to study some of the opposition that Jesus encountered in his ministry. And that's going to help us when we face opposition, when we face struggles in our lives today. And so today I've entitled the message, Winning the Battles of Life. Anybody in a battle in your life? Okay, both hands up. There's always battles in life, are there not? And we're going to talk about some of these battles. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in a battle. In fact, everyone in the world is in, is in the midst of a battle. And as believers, our battle is really with the powers of darkness. And they engage us in, in three different areas of our life. To follow Jesus does not exempt us from the battles of life. Uh, sometimes it's presented, you know, follow Jesus and everything is just going to be a walk in the park. It's like, well, that's not true. You begin to follow Jesus, you get a target on your back. And uh, the devil is gunning for you. And so our battle is with the powers of darkness. John 15, verse 19, and the scriptures here are in your bulletin and the white page there. If you want to pull that out and follow, they're also going to be on the screen. It says here, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, for I chose you out of the world, therefore... The world hates you. Who wants to be hated? Uh, I don't. I want to be loved by everybody, right? We want to be loved by everybody. Jesus was not loved by everybody. And if we're followers of Jesus, we're not going to be loved by everybody either. And so in this verse, Jesus was speaking to his disciples that were around him at the time, but he's also speaking to his disciples of, of every day, including today. And so if you're a believer here listening to me, Jesus is telling us the world hates you. We need to recognize the world hates, hates us. Now, who is this world? 
What is he talking about? Well, the world is the kingdom of darkness that is ruled by Satan. The members of that kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, are first of all evil spirits. The Bible calls demons. Secondly, the members of the kingdom of darkness are also everyone who is not a believer. All unbelievers. And so you see, every spiritual being and every human being is either a member of the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. Spiritual beings, we have two basic kinds. There are angels who are in the kingdom of light. In the kingdom of darkness, there are demons. For human beings created in the image of God, there are believers who are citizens of the kingdom of God. And there are unbelievers who, whether they realize it or not, are citizens of the kingdom of darkness. Jesus told his disciples in verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, this is Jesus speaking, they will also persecute you. If they kept, keep my word, they will also keep yours. And so not only as believers are we targets of evil spirits, we're going to be persecuted by basically unbelievers, just as Jesus was. The aim of the kingdom of darkness, when it attacks us, is twofold. The first aim is simply to silence you. To keep you quiet. To cause your witness for Jesus to be ineffective. For you to become an undercover believer. Nobody knows but me. And I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus because it might get me in trouble. That's their aim. To make you quiet. To make you silent. To make you fearful. And if the kingdom of darkness cannot silence you, it will attempt to destroy you. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Apostle Paul says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. All who desire, circle the word all, everyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. Let's put it another way. Saying the same thing, but perhaps a little more understandable. If you're not being persecuted, what does that tell about you? You're not living a godly life. You're not letting your light shine as we see today. And that's why Jesus told us, if you're persecuted, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to rejoice. Because we're doing something right. And the devil is mad about it. And he's trying to stop us or destroy us. So, whenever we do something right, it's important. It's important. It's so important that we get the devil's attention. Unfortunately, I believe in America today, the kingdom of darkness has done a pretty good job at silencing believers and silencing the church. Not by the threat of imprisonment, not by the threat of torture, not by the threat of, of harsh fines but simply being afraid of what other people might think of us has kept many of us quiet. And God wants to change that 
for everyone who's listening to this message today. Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues. The wicked are full of fear. But the righteous are bold as a lion. The righteous are bold as a lion. So God wants us to overcome fear and to be bold as lions in the face of opposition. What are lions called? The king of the beasts. They're not afraid of anybody. They do what they want to do. And God wants us to be bold as lions, as believers in a dark world. So today we're going to learn more about becoming overcomers in the three battles of life. First of all, we need to understand the reality of demonic opposition. We're just continuing on in our study of the Gospel of Luke, going verse by verse. And so pretty much, if you follow along where we're at, next Sunday we'll be in the next section. So this is Luke 11, verse 14. Now he, that is Jesus, was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. So here we have the case of an evil spirit, sometimes called unclean spirits, here called a demon, afflicting a man, and his effect on this man was that the man was mute. He couldn't speak. Demons can often cause what, things that look like physical ailments that could have other causes, but they are always something destructive. Obviously, it's not a good thing if you can't speak. And this man could not speak. Jesus took authority over the demon. He broke its power on the man. And after the man was delivered from this demon's power and hold over him, he was able to speak again. It was as if the demon had his mouth clamped shut in one way or another. Now, some people accuse Jesus of casting out these, this demon out of the man by the power of Satan. Well, Jesus had an answer in verse 17. He says, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. And a divided household fails. And if Satan is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And so if Jesus is basically saying that accusation makes no sense. They were trying to discredit Jesus by saying he was dealing with demons by the power of Satan, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus said that makes absolutely no sense. Satan has no desire to weaken his kingdom, to lose subjects to his kingdom, by me setting people free. In fact, what Jesus is basically doing is breaking into, as we'll see, Satan's kingdom and rescuing people out of it. There are two kingdoms at war in our world. Satan's kingdom and God's kingdom. Jesus goes on to say in verse 20, if, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. What's this finger of God? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's the power that set people free. The power of the Holy Spirit set this man free from this demonic hold on his tongue, as it were, that made him mute. 
And so this demonstration of the kingdom's power shows that the kingdom of God is stronger than the kingdom of Satan. Jesus is the one stronger. He is attacking Satan, who is the weaker. And he explains that in verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. In fact, this passage we're looking at today is Jesus' most detailed teaching on demons and how they affect people and how they can be dealt with in all of the Gospels. In this case, the strong person here, a strong man, fully armed, guarding his own palace, is Satan. And he's taken up residence in this, this man who can no longer speak. But the stronger one, that's Jesus, he attacks him, overcomes him, and he takes away his protection, and he divides his spoil. The spoil was this, was this man. That is the prize. You know, human beings made in the image of God. Um, that's what, who Satan wants in his kingdom, and that's who God wants in his kingdom and his family as well. Jesus attacked Satan and set this man free. And Jesus explains some more to help us understand, and this is very important to realize, what happens when someone is delivered from Satan's power, Satan's grasp. Verse 24, when the unclean spirit or demon has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. So Jesus is going to explain to us a very important principle that deliverance from demonic oppression or having a demon cast out of you is not necessarily permanent. The demon can return to the person that he was cast out from. And of course, we see that obviously in our world today, dealing with addictions, do we not? Which I believe demons are behind them. You can be set free and you can relapse. Right, Mike? We see that all the time. They don't have to, but it can happen. If the man's soul is empty after the demon is cast out, if the soul is unprotected, then something terrible is going to happen. Jesus says this demon that was cast out, then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. And so we learn a lot from Jesus' description here of how demons operate. A person can be oppressed by varying numbers of demons. And we've seen that multiple times in the Gospels. You can have one, you can have seven, you can have thousands. And of course, the more you have, the worse it is for you. Secondly, demons have different levels of evil and pain that they can inflict on people. This man just couldn't speak. There's all kinds of things they can do, destructive things. And if the person whom this single demon, this mute man, had been cast out of had not done anything to replace 
this evil spirit's residence in his heart, then other demons are going to come in and he's going to be worse off than he was at first. So let's think a little more about the reality of demonic opposition today. One of my <clears throat> purposes this morning is simply to get us to believe that demons are real today. Most people don't. They really don't. It's just, well, I don't know, that's how they talked about disease back then and things like that. No, these are spirit beings, evil spirit beings. If you believe in angels... I mean, you better believe in demons uh, as well. In fact, demons are fallen angels. We're not going to get into all that today. They are just on the dark side. Demons are real. They're all around us. Most people think demon possession is a rare occurrence. It, it is not. If you read through the Gospels, Jesus encountered people oppressed, possessed, whatever you want to call it, it seemed like on a daily basis. They were all around him. And nothing has changed. They haven't gone anywhere. Demons don't die. The demons that were there pressing people in Jesus' day are around us today. They're still here. The word translated demon possession in the Greek is literally, it literally means demonized. I like that word a lot better than the way it's usually translated, but the translators haven't listened to me yet. So it is called demon possession. Demon possession it tends to me speaks to me of a binary thing. You know, you're, you either are or you're not. Well, we already know from today's um, teaching and today's verses that demon possession is, is not yes or no. There's all, kinds of, there's all kinds of graduations in how severe it is and what kind it is. And there's all kinds of things. And so I think demonized captures it much better. You can have different degrees of demonic influence that can affect different aspects of your life. So how can a person be protected from demons? Jesus said, if this, first of all, they need to be cast out if you are being influenced by one. But if that happens, you have an empty space, how can you be protected from them coming back again? Well, if we look at the last verse that we talked about last Sunday, verse 13, immediately before Jesus began talking about demons and dealing with demons. He said we are to ask the Father to give us, to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And so that is the answer. That is the answer to being protected from evil spirits. To be filled with the Spirit of God inside of us. And that will protect us. Then our soul will not be empty. And we will be protected. And so that's how we can win this, this first battle in life. And help others win as well. Many people around us need to be delivered from demonic oppression in different ways. And God can help us to do that. And keep us free as well as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the next way. The next battle that we have. It's not from evil spirits. It's from people. We need to expect people to oppose us. Verse 27. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bare you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
So a woman in the crowd yelled out something, a blessing on Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Jesus corrects this woman. He says, blessed rather, he corrects her because she was focusing on Mary as, as someone to be worshipped. Rather, blessing comes from those who listen to God's word and keep it. Blessing comes on those who listen to Jesus and obey what he's telling them to do. Verse 29, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. Earlier in the passage, we didn't read every single verse. We read most of them. It's kind of a long passage today. The people were asking Jesus for a sign. A sign that he truly was from God. Now, can you believe it? The audacity of people to ask Jesus for a sign. He'd been going around, preaching the word of God, healing hundreds if not thousands of people, doing miracles right and left, casting demons out of people, and they were asking him for another sign to prove that he was from heaven. Guess what? They really didn't want another sign. They didn't want to believe. And that's why Jesus called them an evil generation. He said, I'm going to give you another sign, the sign of Jonah. In fact, in the Bible study this morning at 8.30, we talked about the story of Jonah. And what was the sign of Jonah? Jonah was a prophet called to preach that judgment was coming on the wicked city of Nineveh. Uh, he didn't want to do it. And so he got on a ship going in the other direction. A fierce storm arose. And the sailors figured out that Jonah was the cause of the storm. And Jonah said, throw me overboard and the storm will cease. Sailors threw him overboard into the water. He sank down and as he sank down, a giant fish swallowed him up. And in the belly of the whale, he repented. He repented. It's like you know, things weren't going so good for Jonah. He repented of running away from God. And he was in the belly of the whale three days. And God commanded this fish to spit him out, spit him out on land. And he completed his mission at Nineveh, calling on the people to uh, repent. And so... How was Jesus going to give the people the same sign as the sign of Jonah? Well, Jesus was going to be crucified. And he was going to spend three days in the tomb. And after the third day, he would be raised back from the dead. And so that was the sign of Jonah. That is the greatest miracle of all, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, to prove that he was and is the Son of God. Verse 31, the queen of the south, Jesus again speaking to this evil generation that was listening to him, will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the end of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with just this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, someone is greater than greater than Jonah is here. 
So overall, the Jewish people of Jesus' day did not listen to Jesus' wisdom. Overall, the Jewish people of Jesus' day and of today did not repent of their sin and believe in Jesus, that he was the Messiah prophesied to come. And so judgment will fall on all those who actually saw Jesus' miracles, who heard him teach, even in person, and did not believe. As well as those who hear about Jesus today and refuse to believe in him as well. And so today there are those around us who oppose our witness for Jesus. Others refuse to believe when the gospel is presented. And even if miracles happen. Jesus was persecuted by those kind of people. In fact, the people who persecuted Jesus the most were religious people who didn't believe what Jesus was teaching, which was contrary to what they were taught. But he continued to love them. He continued to teach the truth to them, and so must we. And so if you're persecuted or opposed by someone as you share the truth of God's word to them, don't get mad at them. Continue to love them. Continue to pray for them. Perhaps God will change their hearts in time and turn them to himself through our prayers and our witness. So don't be discouraged by opposition when you tell people about Jesus, when you invite somebody to church, when you talk about what's right, when you talk about what's wrong. If you're persecuted, you're doing something right. If somebody doesn't like what you say, you're doing something right. They're resisting the truth of God's word. Rejoice. God's going to bless you as you are faithful to him. And finally, the last battle is to overcome the enemy inside of us. The enemy inside. Ourselves. I'm not talking about demons here. We're talking about ourselves. Verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it, on a, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. So as we move into this section, Jesus is talking about each believer as a, as a light or as a lamp, and we are to be set on a stand. You know, you set a lamp on a stand so it sheds light to the whole room, this Verse tells us we don't hide a lamp in a cellar where nobody can benefit from the light. We don't put a light under a basket because then the light can't shine forth. And so we are not to be silenced. We are not to be quiet. We are not to hide our light. We are to let our lights shine. And when we let our light shine... When we let our light shine, people around us can see the light of Jesus. And so if we are letting our light shine, then everyone around us should know that we're a follower of Jesus. Should know there's something different about us. If people aren't sure that you're a follower of Jesus, if people aren't sure that you're a believer, then you need to change that. You need to let your light shine brighter. 
I'm going to just share a little, tiny little story here. It's not in my notes, but, um, and I won't give any names. But somebody in the church was uh, shopping in a store recently. This is something good. <laughs> Some, uh, shopping in a store recently, and um, someone out of the blue came up to them and asked them, uh, do, you, do you believe in God? And the person answered and said, yeah, you know, I'm a believer, and began to converse with them about God. And, and the person asked, well, how did... Why did you ask me that question? So well, I just sensed there was something different about you. I just sensed that maybe you were a follower of God. So there was something about this person in our church who, even though she, they didn't say a word, their light was shining just as they walked past. And so God wants us to be witnesses. Most of the time we have to use words. But sometimes God will do things uh, even without words. And of course, they used words uh, once the conversation was started. Now, Jesus is going to give us a little more detail about this, these lights that we are to be. Verse 34, your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. So he's talking about our eye. What is our eye? Well, our eyes is, first of all, literally the eyes we got in our head. We have two eyes to look around with. And it's also what we focus on in life as well, what, what we're focused on. And usually we focus on things with what? With our eyes, right? I mean, pretty much the eye is how we take everything in. Of course, we use our ears as well, but he's focusing on the eye. And when your eye is healthy, what is it focused on? It's focused on Jesus. It's focused on his word. It's focused on the truth. And so Jesus is the light of the world. And so he's like a bright, shining light, the brightest light you can imagine. The book of Revelation is say Jesus' face shines like the sun in brilliance. It's so bright. And when we focus on Jesus, we focus on his light. What happens? That, that light comes into us through our eyes. It fills us with his light. Now, what's a bad eye? An eye that's not healthy. It's focused on something other than Jesus. It's focused on not the light. It's focused on darkness. There's darkness all around us. There's evil. And we can focus on that. And when we focus on darkness, what comes into our lives? Darkness comes into our lives. Darkness is where demons dwell. When we focus on darkness, it begins to open the way for their influence to come into our lives. Jesus warns us. He says, don't let your light become darkness. Be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Be careful what you focus on. Verse 36, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with his rays gives you light. So that's a wonderful promise. When our eye is focused on Jesus, the light of the world, and so we are full of light, what is going to be the result? The result is going to be the light of Jesus is going to shine through us to those around us. We're going to be that lamp set on a stand that others are going to see through our words, through our actions, just through our face. 
that we are different. That the light of Christ is shining through us. And people are going to be drawn to that light. And some are going to be repelled by the light. You ever got up late at night and switched in the light in the kitchen and something scurried away? It's happened a few times. Ah, there's things that don't like the light. They scurry away when the light shines. So in today's world, our eyes are, are more important than ever before, I believe, in the history of the world. Just, just think about this for a minute. In most of the world history, to see something bad, what did you have to do? You had to travel to a bad place. You had to travel to some bad people in order to focus on something evil. I mean, you could conjure it up in your mind, but to actually see something evil, you had to go somewhere. Now that began to change in a whole lot of years ago with the advent of movie theaters, you know, when they can finally put things and you could watch a film and kind of be there and see what was going on. And we began to be able to see bad things in movies and television and different things like that. But today, what do we have? We got this little device in our pocket, right? In which you can see, I don't know from experience, but you can see the most perverse things, I'm sure, somehow, some way, that's ever happening in the history of the world. You can talk to an evil person in another country on the other side of the world. And you can do it without anybody knowing. Our phone's evil. I'm not speaking against phones. They can be used for good. They can be used to let our light shine. You see, our light can shine through our phones. We can actually receive light through our phones. I mean, God's word is on my phone. And people that are preaching God's word, we can listen to them. I mean, we're streaming to the internet right now. People are watching us now that aren't here. That's a good thing. But let's use them for good. Let's Keep our eyes healthy by focusing on Jesus and not by focusing on things that are dark. We can let our light shine in person. We can let our light shine. This is not blasphemy on Facebook, okay? Some people hate Facebook. Yeah, there's a lot of nonsense stuff going on in Facebook, I know. A lot of silly cat videos and things that are just a waste of time. Occasionally, I get caught up on those. Uh, they just pop up, you know. But there are many good things we can let our light shine on Facebook to other people and to the people that are our friends there. But keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Let his light shine through you to everyone you can reach. And as we do that, we can overcome the enemy inside. And so today's message from God's word really begins with our last point. We need to cultivate healthy eyes focused on Jesus and His Word. Be careful what you look at. Don't cover up your light. Let it shine to those around you. People are going to oppose you. Uh, you might get in trouble with some people. You might be persecuted. Although persecution in America is not very serious compared to what it is around the world. But rejoice. You're doing something right. You become a target for the devil. And God's going to protect you. It's going to be okay. Behind all of our battles that we have in life is 
a kingdom of darkness. Satan and his army of demons and people that are knowingly or unknowingly aligned with him. They really are everywhere. But God wants to use us to let his light shine through us to set people free. To rescue them from the kingdom of darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. So to become a citizen of the kingdom of light, to become a believer, is, is a simple thing, but it's a profound thing. First of all, we need to repent of living in darkness. Turn away from our sin. Believe in Jesus, the light of the world. That he died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead, and we submit our lives to his lordship, that we're going to follow him all the days of our life. So we're going to pray right now. I'd encourage you to bow your heads with me. If you'd like to commit your life to Jesus uh, for the first time or to recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me right now. Say something like this. Father, today, I repent. I turn away from the darkness in my life. I turn away from the sin in my life. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid the penalty for my sin, that I might be forgiven. Come into my life. I believe you're alive today. You rose from the dead. And I submit my life to following you. I commit myself to following you as my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. And Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you would help our eyes to be focused on you and your kingdom of light, first and foremost. Forgive us for the times when we get distracted by dark things that distract us from your light. Forgive us for the times when we focus on dark things and we become worried and fearful and stressed out. Help us to focus on you and your good plans that you have for us. We thank you that with you by our side, we can overcome anything that the devil may send our way. God, we know that as we seek to live godly lives, there are people around us who are going to oppose that, who are going to seek to draw us away from you, who are going to persecute us in one way or another, but we rejoice because we're doing something right. And God, give us strength not to be drawn away from you by the people around us. Give us strength to follow and walk along with others who are following you. And Lord, we do understand from your teaching that the dark side is real. Satan and his demons are everywhere. Help us not to be fearful. Help us to learn to take authority over them and set people free. Forgive us for ignoring the reality of the demonic God. Forgive us for relegating that to another day, another time. And so not being as effective for you as we could be setting people free. We pray, God, that each one of us would be an instrument to be to set people free, that we would be set free and of every evil that may 
cling to us and we'd help others to be set free as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.